You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for joining us. There's been a lot of conversation nationwide about the role of the police in the communities they serve. On one hand, we have news coming out of cities such as Ferguson, Missouri, and Baltimore about excessive force resulting in the deaths of unarmed citizens and have led to protests and demonstrations. But there are also good stories about the police and the work they do in our communities. The police have a difficult job and they're faced with exceedingly high expectations, budget cuts, and currently a bruised public image. And how does Detroit fit into that nationwide conversation? Is crime here getting better? Is it getting worse? Joining me today to talk about the Detroit Police Department is a friend of mine, someone I'm very glad to welcome to Detroit Today, James Craig, the chief of the Detroit Police Department. Welcome Th- to Detroit Today. Thank you so much, Steve. It's always a pleasure to be in studio with you. Yes, uh, and uh, we, we should start with the news, I think. Uh, that's probably on lots of people's minds. State Senator Virgil Smith uh, uh, ran into some trouble this weekend, and you guys had to get involved Uh, I'm sure you can't say much about what's going on there because uh, there's an ongoing investigation. Uh, But but it's always got to be a challenge uh, for you and the department when a public figure, uh, an elected official, runs into into legal trouble. You know, it's a challenge. But, you know, my commitment has been uh, since I've been here and certainly in the other departments that I've been police chief is that uh, we treat everyone the same. Uh, no exceptions. Uh, your stature makes no difference to me. Uh, certainly, want to be fair. Always be fair, and to do something different, uh, because we're talking about a state center, would be just clearly wrong. And so, it's important when we talk about being transparent. Uh, and while there is an ongoing investigation, and, and certainly there's a lot I cannot say and will not say about it, but just the fact that uh, we reassure the public that we are conducting an investigation and that we will take appropriate action. And in this case, uh, we did that investigation. These are allegations right now, and certainly uh, we're sensitive to that. Right. And we certainly uh, did make an arrest, and so now it's uh, going into the hands of the prosecutor for a decision whether or not to charge. Yeah, this is not the first time since you've been chief that uh, you've had to deal with a public official uh, uh, running into to an incident with, with your officers. Does it surprise you at all how often that happens here in Detroit, or is that something you <laughs> see, you've seen in every community where you've uh, been an officer? I will say it seems, you know, everyone say when I write my book they want a copy, <laughs> uh, especially my friends from places like L.A. Yes. and Cincinnati. <laughs> uh, and, and, yes, it, it has been different. Uh, I can tell you that uh, the things that uh, certainly I've come I mean, whether it's officer misconduct, uh, the type. And again, that doesn't that's not a broad brush blanket sure. uh, on the entire police department. But just the type of min- misconduct at times, uh, certainly uh, public officials uh, and certainly coming into Detroit. I knew uh, I was clear on the events that preceded me, uh, several mayoral administrations yep. involving uh, Kilpatrick. Uh, very aware of that and shocking for many and certainly. Um, so um, the key is transparency right. uh, and then we treat everyone the same, yeah. uh, no exception. Yeah. Uh, that incident, though, is a good place to start talking about 
crime generally in Detroit. Unfortunately, uh, the, the allegations here are not unusual in terms of the kind of behavior that, that, that we're seeing in terms of how we treat each other in this city. Uh, somebody with a gun uh, in a dispute and decides to settle it that way. Uh, give us, give us a, an overall picture of uh, where we are with violent crime in the city and, and particularly with, with homicide. Well, when I talk about crime, generally I'm comparing you know, year-to-date statistics to the year prior and the, even the year before that. Uh, certainly this year we're slightly up, or we are up in homicide, and we are up in non-fatal shootings, uh, very slight on the non-fatal shootings. Uh, but that's compared to last year's stats were very good. Now, the good news is overall we're down in violent crime 4%. Uh, overall crime, we talk about overall crime, we're talking about violent crime, property crime. Combined, we have an overall reduction of 15%. And that's on top of the great stats from the year prior. So when you compare this year to, say, 2013, we're showing a 28% reduction. Uh, again, 15% comparing last year. Yeah. So we are continuing to trend down. But as I've oftentimes said, as while I'm I'm happy that we're trending downward. Uh, we still have plenty of work to do. Yeah. And well, so I don't want to lose sight of that. What accounts for, for uh, crime going up, you think, this year? Well, uh, again, we're still trending down. Overall, crime is going down. Uh, when you look at homicide, um, it's been a slight increase. But, you know, we had a very – last year I remember distinctly that – we had a very low month in homicides in the month of March. Uh, I mean, a low, probably, I think we had nine or ten. And so that had an effect. So we're comparing year-to-date statistics. And so, uh, but, you know, one homicide, two homicides, or one too many. Uh, and, and while we ended last year with 299 homicides, which was a, a what, a 47-year low. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 299 homicides in the city of Detroit, city of 700,000 roughly, is still too many. Yeah, uh, We get that, but uh, the real key, and I know we're going to talk about it later in the show, about just relationships with our community, and that plays a key role in driving down crime. Yeah. It's not just the police. Sometimes folks say, well, what are you doing, Chief Craig? What, what is the police department doing? It's more like, what is the community doing? Right. And so it really is a, a, a real partnership. And I'm encouraged because what I have seen here in my now 22 months uh, returning to Detroit, that we have an engaged community. And I can point to examples of that. And that's one of the reasons why we're driving. And you feel we like a, that's having oh, a real effect on the rates. And, uh, uh, I think that has an effect. But also we have a police department that's not de-policing. And we can talk about that later which is common what we talked off air about what's going on in Baltimore. There's sure. this notion of de-policing yeah. occurring. Right. And so uh, that's not what you see here in Detroit. Police officers are engaged, are committed and dedicated uh, to making Detroit a safer city, uh, and they're doing the work. 
uh, in support of our citizens. Yeah, uh, Chief Craig, do you do you? He- I know you hear a lot from the community. What do you hear from them uh, specifically about how they feel about what crime is like in, in particularly in the neighborhoods, uh, not downtown and midtown, which I think are are sort of different places. Yes, uh, yes. They, they are. are uh, they feel different. Uh, you're dealing with different issues there. Uh, what do people in the neighborhoods tell you about how they they feel about their 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 neighborhoods and ab- about this city? How violent it is or is not? Well, you know that's interesting, Steve, because the people I run into generally say, "Chief, thank you, thank you," and the men and women who do the job, we feel safer. Uh, I've had a number of community members come up and say, you know, they feel like they can walk in their neighborhoods and they recognize that it's not perfect. And certainly if we have a conversation with someone like, uh, I guess, a day ago, a 78 year old man was carjacked in his driveway. If we I were to go to him, he's not feeling he doesn't feel like it's safe. Absolutely not. But yet when you look at our stats, we're sitting on year to date an a 20% reduction in robbery, and that's better than even last year. And if you look at uh, 2013 comparison, we're sitting on a 41% decrease in robbery uh, and carjacking incidents. Just looking at carjacking, 22% reduction, and then comparing that to 2013, 34% reduction. So the stats are telling the story, but uh, one good point, it you know, while I can wave stats around, and I'm encouraged when I see the trend downward. What's more important to me is what are the people saying in the neighborhoods? Do they feel safer? And certainly in some neighborhoods, they feel better about their neighborhoods. And, and generally, those are the neighborhoods that are engaged. Um, we point to um, the unfortunate shooting uh, involving Judge Burr uh, several months back. Sure, sure. And what was interesting about the shooting, and there certainly was an uptick in home invasions, Uh, several robberies in a driveway, what was most satisfying to me is the aftermath. I am talking about within several days of saying we need to have a community meeting, we need to uh, make sure our community is engaged, and within two days we had 600-plus people attend a meeting uh, at the golf course. I mean, to me, that sends a message that people want to be part of the solution, they're fed up, and criminals beware. Yeah. That's yeah. the message. Right. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. I'm talking with Detroit Police Chief James Craig about crime in the city. Uh, call us and tell us, do you feel like Detroit is safer? Do you feel like we are on the right path here in Detroit? Or do you feel like it's the same old, same old? Call us at 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. Let's go to the phones. Tom in Detroit. Welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, good morning to both of you. Uh, yeah, you know, Steve, um, I was a twice past president of the Great Northwestern Police Community Relations Organization over at 6 and 8. And now I'm in, uh, now I'm in uh, uh, precinct, second precinct. Uh-huh. But, you know, and we get reports from, you know, the, the captain or whomever the, uh, from, from the community relations organization might be there as an adjunct to the, to the community relations meeting. But anyway, um, you know, and I, I, they give reports and they talk about, you know, crime. And, I mean, across the board, categorically, crime is down. The only thing that's up, I'm, I'm thinking of, is the rate of homicide. And, I mean, you know, and let me say this. 
I respect and I give all kinds of, you know, kudos to, as I call them, Detroit's finest, because they do a job. It's a thankless job. But, I mean, you know what? And I want to thank them because, as you know, kind of like as bad as it is, for lack of a better word, the way it is right now with them there. Can you imagine what it would be without them there? (laughs) As far as, like, say, you know, what happened down there in Baltimore and here in terms of police community relations, we are light years ahead of Baltimore. And they keep talking about, well, yes, we are. You know, anything can happen anywhere. And that means something for you as a member of the community to be saying that, uh, Tom, and not uh, not the chief saying that. You feel like there's not a lot of similarity between uh, what 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 was going on in Baltimore and here in Detroit. No, I mean, granted, I don't live in Baltimore, but I mean, just from what I've seen and what I've heard on, you know, on, on the news, and I'm sitting there going like, you know, these folks need to come here and, you know, um, you know, check out the Thank community you. relations organization because not only do we have the organization, but in 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 the you know, in the ranking of the police department, they have a community relations, you know, department with community relations officers. And they come to the meetings, they give reports, and, you know, they, they take hits, too. Because some people, you know, some of them, you know, they have complaints about what the police do. But, you know, they take it in stride because it comes with the territory. But you know what? I'd rather have Detroit's finest than not have them because, hey, they make it a lot more easier for me to go out about my business and that I can come home and see. The thing is, when they leave, when they don that uniform and that badge and they get in that car and they took that oath to protect and serve, they they want to come back home and they want to come back home whole. Yeah. But just because of the mere nature of their job, they're going to come, and I'm not trying to be disparaging, but they're going to come across some of the dregs of society and something could happen right there to where either they don't come back whole or they might not come back at all. Right. And I mean, hey, you guys and the, and the women, you, as far as I'm concerned, you're the greatest on the planet. Thank you. Okay, much. thank you very Appreciate much for that. the call, Tom. Uh, Tom raises the the issue in Baltimore, which I think uh, echoes a lot of uh, uh, issues around the country with the relationship between police and uh, the communities that they that they serve. Uh, talk to me about why you think, uh, Chief Craig. Why is it why is it different here in Detroit, or is it different? It really is different, and and um, and. You know, I, I welcome opportunities to, you know, show the comparisons. I mean, it didn't just start yesterday. You know, when we look back at Detroit, when I started in 1977, it was just 10 short years when we had one of the most violent civil unrest in this country. Mm-hmm. Why? Because of poor or non-existent relationships with the community. Well, it was then during that era when the police department was uh, becoming integrated. Uh, certainly Detroit police was... Uh, one of the leaders in the country in that area, certainly hiring female officers at the rate that they were. And we still uh, pretty much lead the country at major cities as, as in terms of female officers. Uh, but that said, I mean, we had many stations. We had officers working footbeats in the aftermath. I mean, solid community relations. And there were many departments from other places that wanted to look to Detroit on what is Detroit's doing. So at some point... That relationship eroded. I mean, it was a loss of confidence in this police agency. I know when I arrived 22 months ago, it was clear talking to the community that they had lost confidence. Right. So the key was rebuilding confidence, reestablishing a trust-based relationship, and we're doing that. We're still doing it, and it's working. It's working because we're now solving crimes. But I point to an incident that happened a couple of weeks ago involving the ICE agent, the yes. shooting. 
Now I uh, heard a I heard a story about uh, that incident. That was the same week as the Baltimore riots. Uh, yes, but that happened here in Detroit. I heard you were out on the scene uh, at that shooting within ten or fifteen minutes. That's Is that correct. Right? Uh, I knew based on what I've experienced, it's important uh, to get to the community very quickly. Now, initially, because it was involving an ICE agent, uh, unlike involving a Detroit police officer, I responded to those scenes, but I was called very quickly by one of my assistant chiefs and said, Chief, you need to get out here. The community is calling for you. They want to hear from you. So I got there quickly. I first met with the family. And, you know, it's always difficult to meet with a family, especially when police officers use deadly force. I've had to do this in the past, and certainly uh, it's tragic, especially when you're trying to comfort a family that just lost their son. Uh, Following that, you know, that um, brief uh, meeting, I then recognized that the community was highly agitated. Yeah, right. So I needed to find the loudest, the most agitated in the group. It was several. Uh, and I began to engage them and made some commitments to the group. And one commitment was, one, that we would conduct a thorough investigation. Two, that we would make sure that our investigation is given to the Wayne County prosecutor. She certainly has tremendous respect here in Detroit and in the, in the, in the, uh, the county. And then lastly, uh, that we would have a community meeting within 48 hours of this date, the date of the shooting, so that we could further discuss. So you can talk about it. We did that. Yeah. We we met those commitments and so uh and while some were still agitated in the meeting, uh they certainly welcomed the opportunity to discuss to air their grievances and concerns. You know, one of the frustrating pieces here, I think, when you look at everything that's going on across the nation, uh some are getting on soapboxes and you know, uh here locally. Right as if to suggest maybe the things that are happening in other places are happening here in Detroit. Well, and that's a great question. Could what's ha- what happened in Baltimore, could what happened in Ferguson, could it happen here in your, in your well, opinion? Well, it can always happen, but there's a difference here. We have a community that says, one, we're not going to tolerate people coming in, generally from the outside, uh, that will destroy our city. Uh, we have a different situation here. Uh, we have a police department that's willing to engage and work with us. And, and, and that's the key point. You know, where a lot of departments make uh, mistakes, and I've had the good fortune of working in places where there's been good relationships, police departments tend to do what? Talk to the community. And you can't just talk to the community. You have to talk with and together come up with solutions. That's why I use the 12th Precinct meeting as an illustration. People didn't come to complain, they came because they wanted to be part of a solution. They wanted to talk about what was going on. What was going on, what can we do to help, how can we make it better? Right. And that's the real key. Right. This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. I'm talking with Detroit Police Chief James Craig. We're talking about crime in the city. We're talking about the relationship between the police and the and the people that they do uh, police, the community they serve. If you want to join the conversation, is crime down in the city? Are things getting better in Detroit? Call us and let us know. 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. Anthony in Detroit. Welcome to Detroit now, today. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. <clears throat> you know, everybody wants to be involved in making their city safer. But my issue is the people 
who are involved in making our city safer that get to wear the uniform oftentimes never lived in the city. And I've noticed since 1994 how the makeup of the department is changing and how more people who have lived outside of the city get to be police officers, they get to be firefighters. But the people that are here that wanted those jobs, they don't get them anymore. Uh, so so you would feel better, Anthony, if, if you felt more like police were not just part of the community but lived here in the community. It, it's not so much that. When I lived in Farmington, the police department looked like the demographic of Farmington. In Detroit, that's not the case. Okay. You know, it, it, it's, 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 I, I, it's hard to fathom how you can have a, a majority black city, but the police department is more integrated right. than the city itself. Right. Well, okay, I, I want to address that. Thank you for the call, Anthony. As I said earlier, you know, we still, uh, in terms of our 80, I think the city now is 82, 83 percent African-American. Our police department's roughly now about 60 percent African-American. Not bad uh, by any stretch. I mean, certainly uh, we do recruit from the city. Uh Uh, We try to hire the very best. Uh, We hire based on merit. Uh, We do outreach recruitment, uh, certainly in the community. The key is law enforcement is not like getting a job in other places. Sure. There's a background investigation. Uh, There's requirements that absolutely must be met. And we just can't hire uh, based on quota, if you will. I said, but it's important that we do the outreach, and we're doing that. Again, 60% African-American. Certainly, we're probably better reflected here than many places. Right. And is that a number that's dropping, or is it increasing? I would say that compared to even when I came on in 77, certainly I probably uh, was part of the most uh, heavily African-American class. Right. Maybe it was 90% then. Uh-huh. Uh, I will tell you that, yes, things have changed. Um, but to overcome that, one of the things that we're launching, and I'm very excited about, we're launching a, like a police magnet program in two local high schools here in Detroit. And the idea behind that is that high school students who have an interest in a career in law enforcement would take uh, those type of classes in high school, and when they graduate, conceivably, uh, when they reach the age of 18, they can transition right into the police department. Right into the police department. So you have a ready pool of candidates, candidates who are from the city of Detroit, who look like Detroit. And so that's one of the things that we're trying to do. Uh, But we're going to continue to focus on hiring the very best. Let me ask you this. Uh, With a a police department that is 40% white, uh, uh, how, how acute do you think the issue of uh, of race and racial differences is in terms of in, in terms of who's policing whom in 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 the city. I mean that that seems to be the issue in a lot of these other cities that are having uh, trouble. Ferguson clearly that was a problem. Baltimore uh, Baltimore's department is not uh, terribly diverse. Uh, right. uh, some of what people are saying is you've got folks here who just don't come from the community that they're policing, and at that. That that starts a, a real problem. Well, uh, I mean, yes, you can look at some of those agencies in other places where there's an imbalance, a staffing imbalance in terms of demographic. 
certainly that can contribute to poor relationships. You hire people that have no relationship to a community, to a city. Uh, yes, that can cause problems. But I can tell you story after story, you know, we get into a conversation about race. So if a white police officer shoots an African-American suspect, suddenly uh, it's excessive force. Right. If an African-American shoots an African-American, not necessarily the case. I know that Ron Scott talks about an African-American officer some years ago, uh, prior to certainly prior to my arrival, that was involved in a number of African-American, I mean, involved in a number of officer-involved shooting incidents. Sure. And they were problematic, so I'm told. But we just can't sit here and say that white officers cannot work in the city of Detroit, to be blunt. Right. Uh, I can tell you story after story, uh, white officers who work in the city of Detroit as police officers that are committed, that are dedicated. Uh, in fact, it's, uh, I can tell you story after story about children that suffer injuries that, uh, um, the one that comes to mind is little India Williams last year that I talked a lot about who sure. was shot in a drive-by shooting eight years old. And had it not been for the swift actions of the officers who transported that little girl, who happened to be two white officers who transported her, right. saved her life. Right. And, and so to just all of a sudden think, well, we have an 80 percent, uh, our city is 80 percent African-American. And so the police department must be 80 percent. Why can't we just focus on, yes, we want a diverse police department and we do have that. Don't we want to first hire the most qualified, the most qualified, and the people, people that are going to best and serve train them and train to, them to serve in the in the community? Exactly. Yeah. That's what we expect. And when you look at in comparison to other places, uh, I, I got to just bring this out. So we've done these large restore order campaigns. Right. You know, where two to three hundred officers are involved in going into a neighborhood to address violent crime. And of the now 18 operations that we've held, one reportable use of force. Yeah. So that's a different so you, message it's just a, it's a compared very to places I've worked. Yeah. You send two to 300 officers <laughs> into a neighborhood. Right. It's, yeah. and especially when you're targeting those who are involved in violent crime. Right. You know, no, it, it doesn't happen that way. It doesn't always happen that way. So. Okay, when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Detroit Police Chief James Craig. Is crime in, in Detroit going down? What's the relationship between police officers here and the community? Give us a call at 313-577-1019. We'll be back in a second. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest today is Detroit Police Chief James Craig, and we are talking about whether crime is going up or down in the city and the relationship between officers in the community and the community they police. Uh, is Detroit getting better? Is it getting worse? Uh, what direction are we headed? How does it feel in the neighborhoods here. Call us at 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. Chief, I want to talk about training uh, a little because I I know that uh, that's a big focus for you. uh, And I I suspect that that is also a reason uh, that you believe that there's a difference 
here in Detroit uh, and and other communities that are having a real problem with strained relations between the police and the community. Yes, training is uh, certainly a factor. I know in the LAPD, uh, Cincinnati, and now here in Detroit, all departments that have been under consent judgments, uh, there's mandated training. Uh, we have it, 40-hour uh, annual training for officers that cover a number of topics. Uh, one of the things that's, that's important, in, in addition to the normal topics like uh, legal updates, use of force policy updates, uh, certainly tactical scenarios, uh, responding to active shooters and such. We've added in this uh, segment of training for the 2015-2016 cultural competency, which we think is very important. Right. Given everything that's going on nationally, we want to you know, certainly uh, emphasize the importance of that. Ethics and integrity, always important. Uh, you know, officers making right decisions. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and then we've increased uh, use of force training from what was previously two hours to four hours. Uh, so training's important and continuous training's important. And those police departments that fare well in working in the community. Really focus on that. Oh, it's, it's critical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what about uh, the consent agreement here in, in Detroit? We've made a lot of progress uh, Absolutely. in the last uh, 22 months since you've been chief toward that goal uh, of, of being out, out from under it. Um, out from under it. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's a, you know, I tell you, Steve, that certainly uh, was a goal coming in that, you know, after an 11-year consent judgment, you know, uh, we wanted to make sure uh, that that was a key focus. And certainly that gives the community confidence that we're doing and adhering to uh, best policing practices. Sure. And, and that's what we've done. And, and again, I oftentimes say, you know, are we going to make mistakes? Yes, we are. I mean, we're in a high-risk occupation. Mistakes happen. Uh, and when those mistakes or when actions are intentional, especially if they're criminal, uh, we've demonstrated in my time here that uh, I'm certainly not afraid to do what's right in terms of uh, submitting criminal misconduct to the right. prosecutor's office. Right. Uh, right. But that doesn't certainly and should not uh, represent an entire police department. Sure. It's 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 individuals. Right. Uh, Will in Clinton Township, welcome to Detroit today. Hey, how you doing this morning? Good. How are you? How you doing? Uh, I was just thinking, like, man, it's kind of sad that in today, you know, 2015, that we would even be having a conversation like this. I a conversation still, like what, Will? Uh, I don't know. You know, all the black and white stuff, the police and the uh, civilians. I mean, really, uh, we're supposed to be one United States of America, not, uh, you know, all the fighting and bickering and stuff like that. I think that property is a problem, and unless we address property, then we have no other way of uh, uh, separating our differences in people and stuff like that. I right. mean, I think it, that's kind of sad, and I don't, I don't really know. Okay. Thank you for the call, Will. Uh, Chief, we've talked about poverty before and, and what yes. your view of the role that poverty plays uh, in crime is a little different than what most uh, people think. I think a lot of people associate crime and problems with poverty. You've talked about how poverty is not the, the people who just because people are poor does not lead them uh, to crime. It's, it's, I, I would agree with that. I mean, that's, you know, people make decisions, but Clearly, I mean, research has shown that those cities that have high 
poverty have high crime. Have high crime. I yeah. mean, it's a fact. Yeah. And, and then you tie in poor education, high crime. Right. And so that's a challenge. Uh, when you look at, uh, there's been a lot of conversation as of late about comparing Detroit and Baltimore, the similarities in terms of crime, poverty, uh, education. Uh, those things do matter. Uh, I had a chance to go into a, um, you know, we do work in our middle schools, you know, from a mentoring and, and certainly uh, changing young people, especially at the middle school age. We have something called City Camp, Children in Trauma Intervention. Um, I had a chance, we're working with one middle school, one local middle school, Henderson, and I will tell you, I was shocked at just how, um, and I know that the school administrator there is doing the best she can. I've had a chance to meet with her, but factually, uh, there's some young people there that don't seem to be learning very much, uh, and there's no discipline. And and so you don't see that in other areas. Right. But does that affect crime? Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. And so police departments today have to be more than law enforcers. Uh, we certainly are doing a lot more uh, from a social end, uh, then we're dealing with the mental health crisis. That's certainly a contributing factor uh, where you got a broken mental health system, not just here in Detroit, but across sure, the country. The whole, and it, especially in this state uh, right. where we don't, we it, don't it's spend not really any money a on it anymore. I, you know, I don't know if it's that folks don't view it as a priority until the bad thing happens. When we have mass casualties, mass shooting incidents, and then all of a sudden it's a crisis. And and so these are the kind of things that we need to focus. I mean, just like public safety in, in Detroit, uh, two administrations ago uh, was not had not been important. And it was evident by the officer's pay. It was evident by the, the lack or absence of, of uh, equipment. Sure. You know, those things matter. What's a, what's a priority and what's, what's not? a priority? Right. Uh, Joe and Ypsilanti, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Hello. Stephen. Great show. Thank you. Uh, I listen every morning. Thank you very much. Um, chief Craig, I had a question. I was living in Cincinnati when you were chief of police down there. Uh, everyone seemed to really enjoy and like your work down there. Um, yes. And I participated in the Citizens Police Academy. Okay. Uh, what kind of programs like that in Detroit are you helping to facilitate here? Uh, great question. And, and um, I'm glad you referenced Cincinnati. Certainly, uh, I have a lot of love for the city as I do Detroit. Uh, I know that uh, we have a, a Citizens Academy here, and one of the things that that I'm so tell encouraged. Tell me about what that what that is. What is the Citizens Police Academy? Well, that's where you know uh, any community member who wants to understand and get involved with their police department goes through, um, not like a police academy, but just kind of an orientation to police work, what we do, why we do. And it really, uh, the, the idea is bringing and fostering better working relationships with the community. Yeah. Uh, it's very effective. Uh, even community members, they go through scenarios of when to shoot, when not to shoot. Um, and, and those kind of things really are eye-openers for many community members. But one of the things here in Detroit that I'm so encouraged, we recently reached out to our graduates. And right now we have 15 people that have volunteered to become what we call VVA's Victim Volunteer Advocates. Uh, these are the folks that will reach out in the aftermath of a tragic situation where a loved one is lost and reach out and work with the families 
Uh, because one of the things that uh, certainly I saw coming into Detroit, and I still feel we can do a better job, is how we interact with the families of homicide victims. Sure, That's sure. important to me because they should never be forgotten. And certainly if a case tends to go cold, I mean, does that mean that we're not going to investigate? Certainly as we get more information, uh, we're going to do that. So that's the advantage of having uh, Citizens Academy. Uh, it builds that relationship. And so that's a a strategy that we will continue. It's not unique to just right. Detroit, certainly, as You're, the caller said, Cincinnati, done it in Cincinnati uh, and, uh, Los Angeles. Yeah. We've done it. I know the FBI. So uh, you're continuing that, that same program. It's a, it's a gr- great effort. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. I'm talking with Detroit Police Chief James Craig about crime in the city and the relationship between police officers and the community. Tell us, is crime going down? Is crime going down in your neighborhood? How does it feel uh, in your neighborhood in Detroit? What are your observations about the way police in Detroit are handling themselves with regard to the community? 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. Alonzo in Detroit. Welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, thank you. Um, I'd like to say thank you to the both of you for the show. Oh, thank you, Alonzo. Um, I just had a quick question. Um, if a, a citizen of Detroit feel like they've been violated by the police officer, what can they do? Um, anybody they can complain to or anything like that? Uh, that's a that's a great question. That, is a, that is a good question. If I come into contact with the police and I feel like uh, uh, my rights have been violated, what am I supposed to do about that, Chief? Well, you know, one of the things that especially departments that have been uh, have had federal oversight, uh, there's certainly a mechanism in place. And Detroit's a u- little unique because there's two ways to uh, file a complaint. One, you can certainly go in and have a conversation uh, and air your complaint with the supervisor. Um, and they ha- they're mandated to take a, a complaint. They have to take a they complaint. They have to take a complaint. Yeah. Uh, the perception here, I think, more so than when I was in Los Angeles, the perception here is that most folks don't have a lot of confidence in that system because they believe that uh, blue is going to protect blue. And if a citizen comes in to make a complaint, a complaint will not be taken. And it won't ever get I will say that a complaint shall be taken. And if a community member feels they're not getting uh, the right service from, say, a supervisor, uh, the other option certainly is to, um, one, make contact with that station captain. Mm-hmm. If if that you have no confidence at the station, certainly can come in to headquarters and go directly to professional standards section, and a complaint can be lodged that way. And then we have the complaint authority that uh, sits aside the police commission, which is another option. So many times people will come in and make a complaint uh, with the citizen's complaint uh, unit that uh, uh, works underneath uh, the, the jurisdiction of the right. police commission. So there are two tracks right. to be able to, to, but, to address uh, it. But certainly we will always investigate any allegations of misconduct. Yeah. Um, and that's our commitment to the public. Okay. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Detroit Police Chief James Craig. John on the east side of Detroit. Sandy in Detroit. We'll get to your calls. We'll be right back. <laughs> This 
This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest in studio today is Detroit Police Chief James Craig. We're talking about crime in the city and the relationship between the police department and the community that they serve. You have observations about uh, Detroit police. Is crime going down in your neighborhood? Is it going up? Is it staying the same? Do the police treat people in your community with respect? Call us at 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. John, on the east side, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for taking my call. So uh, I was looking up on the Internet yesterday to see what the crime stats were in Windsor. And uh, it's kind of interesting. They've had like five murders or five homicides uh, in the last four years, and then there was almost 20-month period back to 2011 when they had homicides. Now, they don't even listen to gun, but as a resident of the city for 15 Yep, John, I think we're losing you there. Uh, thank you for that call. Uh, that's an interesting point, Chief. Uh, there's a big difference there, <laughs> across that river oh. uh, in terms of the way uh, that, that, that people behave. A lot of it has to do with with guns and the possession of guns and the prevalence of guns in the population. You're somebody who has encouraged Detroiters uh, to arm themselves as a me- as a means of self defense. That's a pretty uh, controversial position in some people's uh, view. It's would been, would uh, we would we be better if we were moving the other direction? Get guns out of people's hands. Well, we get guns out of criminals' hands. It's that simple for me. Yeah, I, I say you know, good people are not committing crimes. And so if we can get guns out of the hands of the criminals, those who are violent, and then that they know that there's a certainty, emphasis on certainty, that they will be prosecuted. And and, and here's the other part. So we look at our incarceration rates. Right. The United States have the highest incarceration rate of any place in the world. Absolutely. So that's something to explore. Right. What's wrong? Right. Uh, what are we know. doing wrong? I mean, I, and that's know, that's a topic. Let uh, me ask you. I mean, you're the, the the chief of police. You're you're charged with enforcing the law. You're also also an African American male. You have to notice uh, how many African American males are uh, sitting in prison. How ma- how yes. often uh, they they are targeted, quote unquote, uh, by by laws or by law enforcement. Um, you have to notice the inequities that 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 exist in our society. How do you how do you sort of balance those two, well, those two things? Well, you know, you bring up an interesting point. Uh, certainly, um, having been in this business now 38 years next month, uh, clearly we can say there's some inequity. But what we should not lose sight of, and this is what's troubling, uh, we talk about black-on-black crime. Some say that's divisive when we, we say that. Uh, but when we go into communities that have the highest crime, is typically black male, if we're talking about sure. a shooting, shooting yeah. a black male. Who's doing it, right? Yeah. And so are those crimes that we should ignore? How do they get access to guns? How Why do, do they manage? feel the need to, to I mean, there's some cr- I mean, respond I, to things that yeah, way? Yeah, I, I get the idea that people are serving sentences. I mean, what's the is there equity in, in sentencing? Uh, does somebody with a small amount of drugs get, uh, who's African-American, get sentenced more harshly 
than say someone who is sure. not African American. Right. I mean, we should Incredible look at those. disparities in the and, in and the so we can look at that system. and say, okay, there's some disparities. But then let's also look at the violence in our neighborhoods. You know, when you talk about police in neighborhoods and you talk about the level of violence, we spend much more time in those neighborhoods that have higher crime. Right. And generally speaking, we're going to spend more time investigating individuals in those neighborhoods who are most likely involved in crime. In crime. So what does that do? Yeah. I, I think what's important in terms of fostering better relationships, I know keenly that there are more good people in any neighborhood. I don't care if it is a high-crime neighborhood. But being able to go in and identify those who are involved in crime and addressing that issue. Yeah. I, you know, I embrace rehabilitation, I embrace second chances, uh, and all of that. But it's but easier we, on the front end, right? It's easier on the front end, but we, we can't ignore the issues of violence. I mean, uh, uh, is that something we can mitigate? Right. Once a person makes the bad decision uh, to shoot another, uh, there needs to be a certainty right. that certain actions are going to take place. That there's going to be consequences. There's going to be consequences. Right. And if that can be a deterrence, but certainly when we talk about good people who have made a decision uh, to go through the training uh, to protect themselves from harm or someone else, uh, that's not the issue. The issue is criminals with guns. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Linda in downtown Detroit, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Yes. Um, you know, you're talking about the neighborhoods. I think your absolutely best ambassadors are the mounted police. I have noticed, I remember when I was a kid in the Detroit Public Schools, that we were taught that um, the policemen are your friends. And those kids grow up. And, and I think the smartest thing to do would be to have more officers mounted on horseback in the neighborhoods. The kids gather around them. Um, it is the very best PR that you can have, and those kids will remember their friendly policemen, and they're, the they're going to grow right? up. <laughs> right. Okay, Linda, thank you uh, for the call. Uh, the mounted police, I, I, I mostly see them downtown, uh, Chief. Is is that something we don't do in neighborhoods, or, or are we they have, out neighborhoods? We have done. We, we, don't, we have a finite number. We don't have a, a huge complement. You know, certainly our priority must be you know, officers in cars, response units, going to emergency calls for service. Uh, I believe in the mounted unit. Uh, certainly we have one of the most historic, and, and the caller's absolutely right. I mean, people respond favorably. Yeah, people like but that. But you know what's interesting? When you talk about the psychology of whether it's police officers on horse, police officers in helmets, uh, that has an impression on the community. So, for example... You know, let's say we're in a situation of unrest. Uh, that friendly mounted police officer who is now in a riotous situation, uh, if he dons a helmet or the horse is wearing uh, a protective face shield, yeah. all of a sudden that horse becomes the enemy. And there's right. a different kind of reaction. Right. Uh, and so, but uh, by and large, uh, certainly the mounted Police is a great community relations yeah. uh, effort, and we certainly want to continue uh, to have that as part of our strategy. Okay. Uh, Charlie in Detroit, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Um, just wanted to congratulate the chief on the great job he's done in the couple years he's been here. Thank you. Um, I own and operate a business down in Delray, and for many, many years we 
would rarely, rarely see a squad car. Um, we see them now Great. <laughs> every once in a while, and I'm glad to see them. But I can tell you, in the area we're in, and I'm sure it's the same in other areas, there are no crack houses that just seem to survive for whatever reason. Um, we see uh, sheriffs uh, sitting, watching, occasionally taking the customers, but it just seems like the uh, person that's running the business uh, is untouchable. And so I've never even bothered calling in because the word in the neighborhood is, well, they leave this guy alone and go after the clients. That's a great. Uh, that's a great point, Charlie. And I appreciate uh, how often, uh, when you're fighting uh, the city's drug problem, uh, do you fight it almost uh, always from the the standpoint of the customers, uh, or do you? I mean, you go after the dealers, and not just the dealers, but the distributors. I mean, we all know absolutely uh, drugs don't grow in the city of Detroit. They right. come here. They come from here. somewhere else. We do both. Uh, we certainly do both. You know, if we can stop the source, certainly that's the best way to do it. Uh, we are, I know the mayor is big on the use of technology. Uh, we are launching, uh, we have our DPD Connect app where you can report anonymously, you know, drug locations. Uh, we get those. We certainly have our drug line that people are familiar to call. And uh, we take those, our narcotics unit, the new major violators unit, does investigate and will try to go in and uh, you know put that business that drug house out of business yeah and, and then you know with the mayor's initiative of once we go in and, and we seize drugs we notify the landlord if it's a non-owner occupied residence and say next time we come back and get drugs we're going to seize your home we're going to take it yeah. and so I think all of those initiatives are are important we know that when you look at our homicide numbers are certainly a nexus to, to drugs. And, and so those issues are yeah. important to us, and uh, we don't take it lightly. Uh, and we're going to continue to push on that front as well. Okay. Sandy in Detroit. Welcome to Detroit Today. Sandy. Oh, hi. Yes. <laughs> hi. Uh, hello, Chief Craig. How are you doing, Sandy? Mr. Henderson, thanks uh-huh. for having me on. Sure. I, Chief Craig, I read your plan uh, for Detroit, uh, I guess, 22 months ago when, when it came out or because I was interested in knowing what your plan was, what priority property crimes we're going to have in the plan. In the last 20 to 30 years, property crimes have really not been first priority for the Detroit police. Sure, yes. And, uh, I, and that's important to me because in our community, uh, almost everybody has had an opportunity to have uninvited people in their homes. Yes. Carjackings in the driveway, the whole nine. So, and this is one of the quote-unquote better areas. We know we have professional thieves who cruise the area and who prey on us intentionally. So my question is, uh, what progress, what priority does property crimes have in your uh, hierarchy of responses? And number two, are you successful in identifying, arresting known perpetrators and retaining them in jail? Because seems to me there's somewhat of a revolving door down there at yeah. Wayne County Jail. Okay, Sandy, thank you for the call. Chief, uh, we've got great, about a minute left. Okay, so, great quickly. question. <laughs> I'll just say yes, yes, and yes. We are successful. In fact, we have an overall reduction in property crime, 19%. In particular, burglary or home invasions, 33% this year, year-to-date, and over 2013, 45%. Stolen vehicles, 
Double-digit reductions, 27% year-to-date this year, 41% compared to 2013. My point is, that is a focus. Uh, we understand. Uh, yeah. but And I'll, there's a connection between those crimes, of course, and violent oh, crimes, Oh, no doubt. Yeah. So we do focus. We have a ComStat session weekly, and we talk about all crime, not just all violent right. crime. Okay. Chief, Detroit Police Chief James Craig, thank you for being here Thank today. you. Enjoy it, Steve. Anytime you want me back, just let me know. I know yes. there are other callers that we didn't get to. <laughs> yeah, we'll, get, we'll, we'll have you back. Okay, thank right. you. Thanks for listening today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will be too. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET, Wayne State's public radio station.